What's up, guys? You've got an awesome listen ahead of you. Uh, I interview NBA trainer Henry Wu Jr. He's Ken Burch's trainer, and he trains with a few other NBA players as well. Uh, honestly, a great guy. Super fun conversation. We talk about Ken Burch's development over his career the last few years and what he's been working on this offseason. We talk about young entrepreneurship, becoming a young entrepreneur. So this could be a good listen for anyone who wants to start their own sort of business in the NBA and trying to push through that wall to get there. And then we have a fun conversation at the end talking about our player comps as NBA players. So who I play like, who he plays like. Uh, and it's honestly a pretty fun conversation. So I'll just stop talking, let you guys listen to it. Enjoy. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Raptors Community Podcast. Today, we got a very special guest, Henry Wu Jr., MBA trainer, 24 years of age, and honestly, just a young entrepreneur in the making. Very excited to have him on. Uh, Henry, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so for those who don't know, his MBA trainer specifically works with Kem Birch. Uh, do you work with any other MBA players, or is he specifically the only guy you work with right now? Uh, I also got Mo Bamba. Uh, from the Magic, Grant Riller from the Hornets, and then uh, James Ennis the third. He's a free agent, but he played with the Magic this past year. Yeah, wow, that's impressive. 24 years old already, uh, making a dent in the NBA circles. Obviously, um, we've seen the growth of Ken Birch. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But before that, I kind of want to get to know you a little bit and talk about some of the responsibilities of being an NBA trainer. Um, so, like, with these players, like you said, James Ennis, you got Mo Bamba, Ken Birch. Uh, what do you help these guys on and what kind of skills do you develop in their game? I think that the the biggest thing I do is that each player has their own specific plan. So I think that, you know, every player you can't kind of put into a box. Every player has kind of their own blueprint um, that I try to help them work with. You know, I, I watch a lot of, uh, you know, a ton of film and, and try to identify, you know, strengths and weaknesses in the system they're playing in and try to give them, um, you know, things they can work on and maybe some opportunities and uh, how, how they can grow their game and, um, that's just kind of my biggest responsibility is just getting these guys better incrementally every year. I think uh, that's just the biggest thing is helping these guys out and trying to figure out how we can help them. You know, at the end of the day, it's about finally helping these guys have long lasting careers and help them make as much money as they can and, and be um, productive when they're on the floor. So uh, my job is just to help them in any way I can and, and uh, help them reach, you know, whatever goals and aspirations they have in their career. Yeah, and we've seen you make a lot of strides with Ken Birch. Obviously, uh, had a minimal role in Orlando, came here, and now uh, he's uh, he had an amazing uh, season, to say the least. Uh, averaged 12 points, 8 rebounds with the Raptors. He's getting more opportunity, obviously. And then also, he was stretching it out a little bit. He had nine threes on 31 total attempts. And as you mentioned, you talked about like the plan that a player works on. What was Ken Birch's plan? Like, what have you guys been working on? Uh, not only from the start of his career to now, but what kind of stuff have you been working on this off season and trying to hammer down? Well, just kind of speaking on the past, I think just like you said, it was incremental progress. I think, I think Ken came in from overseas. He was just very raw. Um, he just really didn't have a, a specific skill set offensively he could really go to. So it was just about kind of building things in, you know, closer to the rim. As you, I know a big thing from him, you saw with Toronto with his little push floater that we've been really working on for, for four years now, just kind of adding that in the pick and roll and then kind of stretching out to the mid range. And then, you know, the last couple of years adding the three. So um, just kind of like you said, incremental progress. I think this year, honestly, it's not really about adding anything for Kem. I think this, you know, this all season for him is just about staying consistent 
and trying to perfect kind of the role he was in with Toronto. I think that he's a guy that's going to kind of play off of other guys. You're really not going to ask Kem really to, you know, hold the load on offense or, or do too much. Just when he gets his opportunities, he has to be very efficient, very effective, and kind of perfect, you know, what he did, right? Like 29% from three is great going from zero, but, you know, hopefully we can get that up. Um, just kind of improve his, 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 uh, his touch shots around the rim and just being consistent. I think, uh, you know, he only played well for 20 games with Toronto. So how can we get 20 games in 82? you know, for whatever team he plays for. So I think that's just the biggest thing. It's more about per perfecting his role now instead of really adding Kem is 29 and not saying that, that Kem can't get better, but I think for him getting better means being consistent. You know, I think that's the best version of Kem Birch. If you can do what he did with Toronto for 82 games for the next four or five years, I think if, you, if you're telling me he's going to average 12 points, eight rebounds for four or five more seasons, I think that's pretty productive. So especially for kind of the player he's in, you know, the role he's in. So I think, like I said, that's just the biggest thing me and him been working on this summer, just being productive and being consistent. Yeah. And he obviously played great shot over 55% from the field, which is, uh, you know, better than he he usually does. Right. Like in, in years past, obviously he, he doesn't play a ton of games, doesn't play a ton of minutes, but yeah, he strung together some consistency this year. And was looking great. And you sort of mentioned, you know, teams he's going to play for. Uh, has there been any rumblings like from him or anything about whether he wants to play with Toronto next year? Obviously, he's from Montreal. He's a Canadian boy. And I think a lot of Raptor fans would love to have him back. Do you know if his intention is to come back or is just sort of playing it out and seeing uh, what teams offer and, you know, what the Raptors are saying, too? Because obviously with the draft coming up, maybe they build younger and maybe – you know, Ken Birch can go somewhere else for more opportunity to actually contribute to a championship level team. Right. No, definitely. I mean, from Kem's perspective, I really can't speak for him, but just from the conversation me and him have had, he loved Toronto. You know, he loved the experience he had. I mean, obviously him and Nick have a great relationship and he would love to come back. I mean, especially you can see he was at his most productive, you know, with Toronto. So just kind of for me and him speaking, it's hard to, you know, want to go to somewhere else when obviously you're, you know, you're playing your best basketball in a place like Toronto. You know, obviously, like you said, there are many other factors that go into it with the draft and free agency and, and things like that. But I know um, Ken would love to come back if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, like you said, there, there, you know, there's obviously some financial ramifications that have to, you know, be worked out and, and uh, his agent and, and the front office have to, you know, come to an agreement that, you know, makes sense for both sides. But um, Ken loves Toronto. Um, Kem, Kem, you know, Kem loves Canada basketball. Um, he would love to play in front of the fans in Scotiabank, just from what you know he's told me. So, you know, I really hope he gets the opportunity to come back. I think that it's a great fit in Toronto for him. Um, I think Nick has really, you know, put him in a position to where he can expand his game, but also still, you know, do what he does best, which is rebound, block shots, run the floor, set great screens. You know, just doing the little things that you know help out a Kyle Lowry, help out a Fred VanVleet. You know, make it easier for an OG or Pascal. Um, I think you can't really ask for a better fit, you know, from Kem's perspective for Toronto and just my personal personal opinion for Toronto. I think Kem fits Toronto. I think yeah. with the team with the team like the Raptors, um, you know, they're a piece away from being one of the top three, four teams in the East. You know, and and, and if you're watching the playoffs, you know, I, I don't really see the the center position as, as a you know as a position where you need a superstar. I think you need someone who's going to be able to, like you said, set the good screens, play great defense, you know, be able to be versatile in coverages, you know, be able to make a, you know, make life easier for a guy like Kyle or Fred, like I said. So, um, you know, if I think for both sides, it, it, you know, it'd be a great marriage and, and hopefully it works out. Yeah. And I think people kind of sleep on Kemberg defensively as well. 
because he's the type of player that uh, in the pick and roll, at least, he's able to switch a little bit. Uh, he's able to block shots, like you said, protect the rim. And he's just a high IQ player uh, on the defensive end, which the Raptors desperately needed, obviously. Uh, with Aaron Baines in there, a little slower. They had to do a lot of drop coverages. They are really struggling against guard-level players in that pick and roll. And we just saw the Raptors constantly losing games because they weren't able to to cover that. And then as soon as Ken Birch comes in, he fills the void perfectly does exactly what they need. And I agree. I think I would love to have him back. And you made a good point about a superstar player at the center position. Obviously, we've talked about the Evan Mobley's of the world, potential top two pick in this year's draft, a guy that, uh, you know, we've we've discussed off, off air and talked about as a guy maybe could fit in Toronto and, and maybe just doesn't fit the bill because, like you said, superstars don't often come out as centers that play like that. And I think Ken Birch, uh, like you said, is would be a, a great fit in Toronto. Uh, we'll just have to wait and I guess see what happens over the next few weeks here. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think with you know with Cam, I think the biggest thing I think with you know just watching Raptors fans and I Raptors fans are crazy. I think the biggest thing that people would just in general have to put into perspective is is that Cam fits. And I think fit is such a big thing on any organization, and it's and it's proven he fits. Right? I know it's a small sample size, but think it was pretty clear that he fits so I think when you try to bring someone else in you know you can make all the assumptions everyone wants about oh he may fit here or he's a great he could be a great fit here but with Kem it's proven that he's fit there so I think with the Raptors I think obviously depending on the direction they go in but they decide that they're going to go after it one more time with you know with with the core group they have um, I think fit is going to be important with the role players and I think that's a big part of why they won in 2019 I think all Oh, no, the whole roster just fit together so so nicely and everyone the chemistry was you know was really good so I think you know just with with the coming roster and kind of if they do go in that direction that we're going to go and trying to win a championship I think that you just need you know the role players that fit in the system and I think Kem has proven he can fit in um, obviously I think Kyle and Fred and those guys really were looking for him and, and they have a great chemistry so I think that's definitely a factor uh, people can't you know take take for granted because you know, obviously anyone looks good on paper, but until they get there, you just really don't know. Yeah, and like you were saying, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. The fit there was perfect. Uh, he does the little things. And obviously when you're playing with a bunch of guys, like the Raptors have a lot of score first guys. you got Siakam, you've got Lowry, uh, who does obviously facilitating, but also score. Fred Van Vliet, OG, Gary Trent Jr. These are guys who like to get buckets. And I just think that Ken Burch didn't need the ball in his hands to score. He would just grab offensive rebounds, get his own stuff, obviously lob opportunities, the floater, like you said, and even shooting the odd three too, uh, just contribute in a perfect way. But I think let's transition back to talk a little bit more about you because obviously you had an interesting rise uh, as, as a young guy when, when you were 21. Uh, I want to know how you made the jump from training young, young kids <laughs> in the YMCA, all right? Like in just a YMCA to – suddenly training an NBA player and now multiple NBA players, this type of career acceleration is unheard of. No, no absolutely. I think, uh, and the, the transition was tough. I mean, I, I got it, the hardest thing I've always told people is that um, building their relationships with these guys for them to trust you, especially being younger than, you know, 99% of the guys, you know, I work with, it's hard. It's really hard. I think like, I think that with, with the NBA players, it's hard for them to, to trust people. I think that was the, you know, the biggest thing was getting them to to believe in me, especially Kem, right? So so Kem was definitely the first guy, and he was – I just give him a lot of credit because he stuck with me when he really didn't have to. 
I think the the transition was tough for him just because, you know, he's listening to someone that's, you know, he's five years older to me. And so he looks at me kind of more like as a little brother off the court, like when we're not on the basketball court, me and him are like, you know, big brother, little brother. But for him to 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 sit there and listen and, and just kind of, you know, believe in my vision I had for, for his career and we, we would sit down and talk all the time. But I think for him to really buy in, I think was the biggest transition because I think, it, you know, you can tell these players anything, you know, players are just, you know, a lot of things just go in one ear and out the other. So for him to really sit there and, and, and just soak it all in and, and really believe in my vision and, and kind of the plan I had for him and, and for him to, you know, to, to, to go with the plan too, right? I think it's a big thing that he can say, okay, I'm going to go with it and then do something completely opposite. But if he really stuck with the, with the plan I had and we both knew it was going to be a process, I think that um, we saw incremental progress, like I said, and it's hard sometimes when you see no progress. It's times in, in, in where you work here, you know, you work really hard and the season comes and then you just don't play. You know, and you're like, man, like I work really, really hard and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not getting the opportunity I thought I would. And so for him just to stick through the whole process, I think was kind of the biggest transition both for me and him because I had to, you know, make sure that he still believed in me and, and, and I, you know, I believed in, in what he told me too. So I think that was the biggest thing, just the relationship. Yeah. And it's crazy that you're able to take something simple like trust and your vision and actually getting someone to buy in. And now you're 24, you're established. Uh, and I think a lot of young fans want to be like you want to get to where you are uh, listening. And, and same thing with me. I'm 21. Uh, we're in the same age range. Right. Um, do you have any advice to any young entrepreneurs uh, listening to try and get to where you are right now, try and get into the NBA and, and break that ceiling that's so hard for most people to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to even lie to these people, man. The basketball business is really hard to get into. I mean, this is, I mean, it's crazy that we both can kind of say that it's a dream come true to kind of just be able to be in, you know, work, work in the industry. I think the biggest thing I can say is for, you know, for people is just to, you know, keep making connections. I think connections are really the only reason why, you know, I was in the position I am in um, now. I think I met Kem through one of my good friends, Eric Green, when Kem wasn't even playing in the NBA. I met Kem when he was in Greece. Like, and I didn't, I had no idea Kem was going to play in the NBA and, and from being around Kem and, and that, that's how I kind of got, you know, Mo Bamba and, and Grant Riller and James Ennis, you know, like just just being around camp. I think that's just the biggest thing, right? It's just once you get in your, you know, your foot in the door, just, you know, really work hard. But just to get your foot in the door, just make connections, you know, whether that's reaching out. I remember, you know, growing up in when I was younger, like, you know, 17, 18 years old, I used to DM these players and stuff like, yeah, like you have any advice for me, blah, blah, blah. And, and Eric Green was one of the first guys. It's crazy. was one of the first guys to, to reach back. I was like, yeah, no problem. And anything you need to let me know and me and him kind of that's kind of like the first connection I ever made and you mm -hmm. know without Eric none of this would be possible so I think the biggest thing is like I said just reaching out to people making connections don't be afraid to send emails out to people when you see people for example like a summer league don't be afraid to go up and introduce yourself you know like I, th I think first impression and, and making sure these people know who you are is really important and uh and then like I said once you start making these connections more connections will come and I think eventually you get an opportunity once you know enough people. I think that's just how it was for me. Like, you know, Eric gave me a break. And, and by being, being knowing Eric, I was able to, you know, meet Cam. And now for meeting Cam, I've met so many, so many great people in the industry. Um, just naturally. It wasn't like I forced it or had to go reach out. Like, when you're around, you know, this business, you meet so many great people. So um, that's just kind of my advice to people is, is, is to get your foot in the door, make connections. Like I said, don't be afraid to reach out. And then once you're in, you know, in the industry, just, just continue to, to work hard and, and just be someone that, you know, make sure you're presenting yourself in a way that makes makes it, you know, appealing. 
I think the biggest thing I, I, I've done at 24 is that I, I care about all the players and I build a genuine relationship with them. Like it's more like I talk to every, most of my players, you know, multiple times a week, not about basketball. I think these guys hear enough basketball and we go over enough film and, and that like, I think really every guy I work with, we have a genuine friendship or, or, or brotherhood. I think that's just so important that, that you have that close relationship with these guys because they, I think a lot of them want to know you care more than just, you know, what they do on a basketball court. Because so many people care about that kind of stuff. Everyone cares about what they're doing on the court. You know, but do you care about them as a person? I think the human aspect is, so, is just as important as the business aspect. Because like I said, we're all humans. We all have feelings and, and we all, you know, go through different things in life. So I think that's just, you know, uh, a, a big part of it as well. Yeah, the personal touch is huge. Building connections, obviously, as you build a network of influence definitely comes into play. Like you said, uh, you meet one person, they kind of introduce you to the next. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with me too. It's you build connections, you reach out to people. Uh, I've sent, I've sent tons of emails to, to players, um, trainers, all these different types of people. And I've sort of built a network where now I'm able to, to reach certain people if I need to, or if I want to, but uh, the personal connection is important too, right? You're not just using them for your yourself, but you're actually trying to help them. You're trying to build them up. Uh, you're trying to get to know people and yeah, it's a personal business, but fear, anxiety are things that drive people away from it as well, mm-hmm. right? They're afraid to do something new. Uh, and my advice sort of in conjunction with yours is just to go for it. You've got time to build something up. Um, there's always enough time out there to, to build something. You may as well go for it. Spend your free time, just a little bit every day working on it. And at first you're going to be bad at it. That's natural, but don't let that deter you from pursuing it and as long as it's something that you enjoy uh you'll eventually achieve success it's just all about the time and the grind uh did you find that when you first started working with chem that you were you find that you're bad at it uh or do you think that the, the ymca really translated and you're able to jump right into it and and do it really well man it's funny me and chem talk about this actually all the time like i think when i first started it wasn't necessarily like i was bad at it i just I think that I really didn't fully understand the big picture of, of, of what, what, what this was about. I think that we were kind of working on things that I thought he should work on and not really understanding like kind of what his role really was. I think I tried to, I, I didn't really understand the whole NBA game. So I think that was the hardest transition is like you watch the, the NBA game and you're watching the games on TV and you may think, you know, like as like a casual fan or even an avid fan, like what guys need to get better at. And, and in reality, I really, really didn't know. I mean, I, I had a good idea, but it, was, it really wasn't until I really sat there and watched the film and really dove in, into, into what, you know, he needed to get better at. And I, not just watching him, watching hours and hours and hours of study. And then watching Kem play more like that first year, I was like, okay, now I can be like, this is exactly what I need to work on. And it's funny, like, I would say like about 50% of what we did translated into that year. Cause that year, um, that's the summer prior was the season going into where Orlando played Toronto in the playoffs. And mm. Kem actually played really well in that playoffs. And he was kind of working and he was doing a lot of the stuff that, that, that we worked on, but there were some things where he would catch the ball a certain spot. He wasn't necessarily as confident and I didn't understand why, but it's because we didn't work on it. And I didn't know, like, that's kind of where he would get the ball at, or these are the positions he would get, or these are the coverages that they play on defense. There was just a lot of terminology and, and IQ things that I didn't understand at first, because, like you said, when you're transitioning from working with high school kids at the Y to working in the NBA, you know, it's, it's two different things. 
and you got into and that's why I think a lot of the casual fan they don't understand like the nitty gritty, you know, and I didn't either. Like the nitty gritty about the coverages and the IQ and, and the plays and like the exact spots they get the ball on the court or just what to look for on film. Like there were just so many things I didn't understand that after the first year that that after the that after the first year, sorry about that, man. So sorry, sorry about that, man. No worries, no worries. <laughs> no, but, but 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 after the after the first year, uh, I was really able to really like hunker 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 down and be like, yeah, this is exactly what uh, we need to what you need to work on. So I think that was like the hardest transition that I really didn't understand at first. But yeah, now now that I'm three four years in, I really feel like I have a good grasp on you know, not just what Kem needs to work on, but any player I can I work with. So I think that was just like definitely the biggest transition from from the Y to the to the NBA, just understanding all the little things. I think everyone can see like, yeah, how to come off a ball screen maybe and do X, Y, and Z. But I think it's like, like I said, the coverages and and, and the little stuff that um, I didn't really get that I, I really I really understand now. Yeah, and people think they know the NBA when they watch it, especially the casuals. They, they really think they know what they're talking about. But there are a lot of nuances, like you said, to the game that even I'm definitely still learning the diehards don't get. And yeah, it takes years to sort of figure out uh, what's going on. Like you said, with the coverages, with every single thing where the guys are getting the ball and stuff, but yeah, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I got one last little fun question here. Uh, another thing just to get to know you as a basketball player. All right. I want to <laughs> know uh, how good Henry is on the ball court, but uh, obviously you play basketball. There's no question about that. Uh, you're obviously talented, but uh, which NBA player would you say your game is most similar to? And oh, I'm gonna man. give you, I'm gonna give you a minute, and I'll tell you my personal comp. All right, I'm. Oh, I'm, go ahead. I'm five nine. I'm not tall. Um, I can slash to the basket. I can drive. I'm I'm pretty fast. Uh, I can pass, and I'm a mid range shooter, and I'm a good defender. Uh, my three ball is either I'm getting, I'm basically making all of them, or I'm never hitting a shot the entire day, one or the other, and it has to be one or the other. So I'd say I'm a low basketball IQ version of Rajon Rondo. That's my comp. Okay. Um, uh, who who you got? Who are you? Man, that's tough. Uh, whew. I I think that the way I play now uh, is a lot different than the way I played in college. I think I think in college I I, I was more of a, a score a scoring guard. Like a, so it's hard. Like I always tell people like I know this. He's not, he doesn't play in the NBA anymore. But I feel like I was a non-athletic, like take away his athleticism, Nate Robinson. Like come in, like microwave score, can really yeah. score. But, you know, sometimes can be inefficient, sometimes can have bad games. But when he's on, he's on. Yeah. So that's kind of like how I would describe myself. Like I take away like all the athleticism. Like I can't jump. I, can't, I have a quick first step, but like I can't jump. I'm not jumping out the gym. I'm not getting any athletic finishes around the rim. But I think if you really watch Nate Robinson, like Nate, like later in his career, maybe more like with Boston and not really New York Knicks, but Chicago Bulls, Nate Robinson. Yeah. You know, like more more of like a scoring microwave score who kind of can when he's hot, he you know he can get it going. But if not, then it might might be a inefficient shooting night. <laughs> so that 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 would be mine. Um, especially because Nate's small. That's kind of why I always looked up to Nate. I was a yeah. big Nate Robinson fan for a while. Uh, but if I had to pick someone, I'd probably say Nate Robinson. I feel like if I can get, if I can, you know, get some, especially in a men's league, they, if, if they leave me open, I feel like I can get it going a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, hit a couple of threes in a row, bring some energy. But, uh, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm off, it might be a long night. 
Yeah, yeah. Sounds like we got a sounds like we got a similar game style by the sounds of it. Uh, yeah, man, Henry, that, that's all I got. Um, anything you want to plug for the fans listening? Like, how can they follow you on Instagram? See your progress. Uh, maybe any work you got coming up. Uh, anything? Just just shout it out. Whatever you want to say. Yeah, on Instagram, just they can follow me at Henry Wu Jr., just kind of my, my, my full name. On Twitter, it's uh, HWu12. And uh, coming up, nothing really, man. I think that I, I really hope that we can get Ken back to Toronto. I'll definitely plug that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of it, and I, yeah. I'd love to see Ken back in Toronto. And I love everything you guys are doing with the Raptors community. I think it's great. Every time you post something, it's the first thing that pops up in my feed, and I'm taking a look at it. So definitely keep uh, keep up the great work with Raptors community and I hope next year if Kem does go, does go to Toronto we all can meet up at a game and I can really get to you know feel the Raptors fans I'm uh, I just want to definitely shout out all the Raptors fans they've showed so much love to me um to Kem and we we haven't even stepped foot in Toronto so um, Raptors fans are the greatest um, you definitely have a great community of people because um, they are the best fans in the NBA I can say that for sure Raptors fans are, are by far the best fans in the NBA and um, I really hope that uh, they, they, they know they take the next step and start competing for a championship again. But, um, but yeah, that, that's really it for me. Yeah, sounds awesome, man. We'll have to meet up and, and play some one v one when you're in Toronto. And, Absolutely. And see, see who's better, Nate Robinson without the athleticism, or Rajon Rondo without the basketball IQ. That's the real con. We'll have to see on there. <laughs> that that sounds good, man, for sure. All right, thanks, brother. Anytime you want to come on, just hit me up, man. Absolutely. All right, take care. I don't know.